Welcome to Converse on the Couch from Life Stance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Converse on the Couch by Life Stance Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Joelle McCormick, a clinician from one of our LifeSense Oregon offices on the topic of parenting a child with ADHD. So welcome, Joelle. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Really great topic for us to, to cover I think parenting kids who struggle with ADHD struggle, but also lots of benefits and, and superpowers of ADHD as well. I think we can exactly. look at both. Um, it could be challenging. It could be rewarding. And I think we'll cover all of those bases during our conversation today for sure. So, so yes. thank you again for being on. And let's start. Let's have you tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you. I am a licensed clinical social worker. So um, I do therapy primarily with um, with adults and children, adolescents as well. Um, and I also uh, run some groups. And one of one of the passions that I have is running the ADHD parent education group. So it's a psychoeducation group, and I'm um, informing parents about just matters of ADHD and how to um, parent their child with ADHD in a way that um, supports them and helps them with those ADHD symptoms. That's great. It's, I'm sure it's a very helpful, useful group. I'm sure the parents definitely appreciate it, the, the support for sure. I hope so. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm sure I, I would think it could be, again, looking at the challenges, looking also at the, the positives to it as well. But, you know, I, I'm sure there's many aspects that can be frustrating, especially if you're a parent who maybe don't have ADHD yourself and really just trying to understand the disorder, which is, you know, the purpose of our conversation today, too, to kind of help sink in a little bit more. Right. You know, I, I have a um, daughter who has ADHD and she was diagnosed in elementary school. And I, I didn't know, even though I am um, have education and training or education in ADHD, I didn't really know that much about it on a practical level. And I certainly didn't know as much as I do now about parenting. So one of the reasons that this group is, is so important to me is that um, this is information that I wish I would have had as a parent. And now I feel like I can impart that um, to others and, and help them with their journey. Because I certainly would have done things a little bit differently if I had known what I know now. I bet you it makes you even an even better facilitator that you're sharing the knowledge, but you also know from experience too what it's like. I hope so. I hope that that's that's the effect. Um, knowing that the person, the clinician or the presenter knows a little bit about it or has experienced some of the hardships um, can make a difference, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that that is the case. I'm I'm sure it does for sure. So let's start with just a really basic question of how does ADHD affect kids? 
Great question. Great question. Well, it affects kids in different ways, actually, because there are um, technically three types of ADHD. There's the hyperactive impulsive type, um, and that is that is the kind that um, is more stereotypical. That's the type that people think of. They think of the the child bouncing off the walls or um, difficulty stopping talking or moving around a lot. Um, but there's another type too, the inattentive type that is often um, undiagnosed or, or missed. And that has to do more with the inattentive symptoms of, um, you know, feeling uh, not able to pay attention very well, distracted easily, the executive functioning um, issues that come with that, you know, hard time with organization, prioritization, um, just time management. And those are what I call more of the internal ADHD symptoms, the, the, the ones that don't show as often on the outside to other people. And that's why they go missed. And then there's a third type, which is the combination um, of some people have, and actually it's the most common type of ADHD, symptoms of both hyperactive impulsive, impulsive type and then inattentive type. So that affects kids in different ways. Yeah. You know, um, the hyperactive impulsive type um, makes it difficult for kids to sit still, to attend with their bodies in a way, um, to be present. Uh, they're moving around a lot. They often have difficulty paying attention, but that movement helps them pay attention. And that is tricky That's for parents and point. teachers. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. So some of the movement is the things that also helps them pay attention. Because I think the assumption is like they're not paying attention because they're moving so much. Can you tell us yes. more about that? Yes. It, it's funny in therapy, when I'm doing therapy with kids, um, a lot of times if the parent is present, they're like, you know, um, Isabel, just pay attention. She's talking to you. <laughs> um, and, and they are paying attention. Yeah but they're moving around. And if they're not moving around, they have greater difficulty paying yeah. attention. So um, I think that educators now, as they pursue um, their path as educators um, in, in getting their own education, um, becoming teachers, they're getting more information about that and, and making movement a part of the classroom, you know, or at least allowing that to happen. That's, that's true for everybody, but especially people with ADHD, they need to be moving around a lot. So it also affects them um, in their social interactions. This is where I see kids really struggle um, because they're impulsive. They're yeah. blurting things out. They're, um, they're intruding on what other people are doing without even realizing that, that they're not they haven't been invited or it's socially inappropriate yeah. to be invading on something somebody else is doing. Blurting out a lot in class, blurting out in conversations, saying the first thing that comes to their mind without editing themselves. Right. Right. And this has a major implication on social development or um, friendship formation. Uh, they can a lot of times attract kids to them easily, but then they do something like a misstep. Um, right, right. And then and then kids don't like them anymore. Right. Or they tend to be bossy. 
Oh, fair. They're, they're wanting to be um, the one in charge and they may have difficulty taking turns. That's actually a symptom of hyperactive um, presentation. So yeah, they gotcha. forget that another person has an idea and that they might want to do their idea. And actually, often talking to my kid clients about this, you know, taking turns and that idea of a volleyball and, um, you know, letting somebody else do their idea. Right. The back and forth of, of conversation, of ideas, of, of playing the whole thing. Because I think sometimes some kids who might have ADHD don't even maybe recognize the social misstep they did. Or even things of right. like body space of kind of just being excitable and in, in another kid's space that might just be a little too much for the friend per se. So they might pull back and the kid with ADHD might not recognize kind of what they did and why maybe friend is pulling back or something like that. Exactly. And excessive talking and other is um, very much what you're saying. Sometimes it's just too much for other kids. There's, there's too much data coming in. There's too much um, being said. And so Mm -hmm. kids, other kids get bored or they start doing other things. They just kind of lose people's interest. Right. So yeah and i think this all falls into looking at what are some of the difficulties of parenting a child with adhd then Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um i think some of the top ones that come to my mind uh are you know just getting your child's attention that can be difficult um or making sure that they that information is even heard or processed because if it's not processed, then the child can't recall it later. There's a memory problem too, a short-term memory problem or working memory problem with um, kiddos with ADHD. But if it's not being encoded in the first place, if it's not being taken in, then they can have nothing to retrieve later. So getting the attention and remembering to break things down into smaller bits or just give them one you know, one task at a time, for example, not saying, okay, go up to your room, get your backpack, load it up, then get your shoes on, you know, just one thing at a time can um, be helpful to the kid, but also challenging for the parent because they've, they've got to be more on, you know, involved and it's, it's more difficult to just give that information and assume that the child's got it and they're going to, and then the parent can return to what they're doing it's more management, you know, um, and repetition that can be really frustrating for parents to have to repeat the same thing over. And even though we've done the same morning routine, you know, all, all year, um, those, those repetitions have to, you know, still happen because of the, the child is just not attending to, what they're doing, their mind might be elsewhere, you know, that in an inattentive type, that is, that, that is the case a lot. You know, the child is daydreaming. They're right. off in their own world. Mm-hmm. One thing reminds them of something else. So mm-hmm. even though they're used to the routine, they just get off track. Right. Easily. And I can see what that would leave room for parents to, who maybe weren't, who really didn't understand ADHD and how it can manifest with kids, that there could be misinterpreting of the kid uh, maybe being oppositional or just not listening. And so if a parent who doesn't understand ADHD tells a kid, okay, before school, go do this, this, and this, and the kid does one thing and then gets off track because they started 
doing one thing, but then kind of fell down a rabbit hole of, of something else and, and, and playing or something like that. The parent might misunderstand like, okay, why don't you listening to me? Why are you being oppositional? You know, and it's, it's not that at all. And I think that's again, with this conversation and helping parents really understand, you know, that this is part of ADHD. Exactly. Well, that's a great point that you bring up. A lot of times I hear that, you know, and, and what I would say in general with uh, differentiating between opposition and ADHD symptoms is just to um, uh, seek to understand the intention, you know, or what's really going on. A child who's oppositional is vying for power and control. You know, they're trying to do something purposely um, for whatever reasons, but ADHD kids are exactly like how you described. They're just getting off track. They're not trying to do that, but they just are. Right. So, and then time management too can be frustrating for parents because the ADHD brain has difficulty with time management. That's an executive functioning um, problem in there. And, and the research shows that, that oftentimes, um, kids or, or people with ADHD will go too quickly. They'll, they'll rush through something when they should be slow and methodical. And then, um, on the contrary, they, they often take too long when they should be speeding up, such as getting ready in the morning. Yeah. Um, that's something that a lot of parents struggle with, with their kids. Um, a lot of, a lot of people with ADHD have a a difference in circadian rhythms. Um, so they're, they have trouble going to sleep at night and they have trouble waking up in the morning so that, or, or even getting the brain engaged. It can Mm -hmm. take some brains a long time to get going. Well, that's really difficult. If school starts at seven 30. And they've got to get up and they've got to get their backpack ready and and all of that stuff. And um, having, helping a child kind of speed up and get out the door can be an ongoing frustration for parents. I think you brought up another good point that maybe a lot of parents might not recognize of like the issues with circadian rhythm with kids Mm -hmm. with ADHD and that it it isn't like that they could just pop up and, and, and go that there's like some issues with that. So I think that was really key that you brought that up to help them understand that too. Yes. Especially if school starts so early and, and everything. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now I had one parent recently, um, well, in my, in my last, my last group say, I didn't realize that this time management thing was an ADHD symptom. Yeah. So just this information can be helpful going, oh, I see it now through, you know, ADHD through a disability perspective, yeah. you know, like there's, there's things that we can do to help bolster these skills or um, strategize ways of managing these skills. And then, yeah, segue, I would think to talk about like, you know, how to, you know, some tips for parents to make life easier at home when mm-hmm. they're working with their kids. Is this a good time to kind of- That's a great time. Yeah, I did want to say yeah, one please. more really big thing about the previous question, and that is emotional dysregulation. Wow. That so is not a symptom. That. Yeah, that's not a symptom currently of, uh, or it's a symptom. It's not a diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Right. But um, there's there's some works around that happening, and, and that may be the case in the future. But uh, it is definitely a huge symptom. And, and one of the ways that we can really 
recognize it in adolescents and adults is that that emotional dysregulation that can often be be misdiagnosed as a as a mood disorder right right whether that's anxiety depression bipolar um but there's a there's a problem in regulation there's a problem in regulating the emotions so with kiddos uh especially well not especially younger ones but um that looks can look like meltdowns that can look like yeah. difficulty shifting or accepting that something isn't going the way that they anticipated right. and um, being able to manage that uh, um, emotional wave that comes with that can be really hard for parents. And I'm so glad you're emphasizing it because it is, it's a very difficult thing. And, and it's something again, that parents are trying to navigate and understand and, and knowing that even though it's not specific diagnostic criteria for ADHD, but it, it definitely goes hand in hand with it too. Yes, because the ADHD brain is more sensitive to all emotions. It's compared to a neurotypical child, um, that is a those emotions are sensitive. So that's really great yeah. when it's a positive emotion. Right. You know, right. this child can be the life of the party. They can be a complete joy. Nobody you'd rather be around when they're in a good mood mm-hmm. and they're excited about something. Um, right. People right. with ADHD, when they're excited, it's just like this ball of energy. Um, but conversely, when they're mad or when they're sad, it can be uh, very debilitating. Right. For, for them to manage those feelings. Um, this is also, and I'll slip in right here, yeah. that this is also the other side of that coin is um, the superpower that makes them empath- empathic. You know, they are great at being empathic people when their attention is on that. Right. That thing. You know, when they want to be caring, they can be a really great friend. They can be sympathetic and compassionate to others in a way that um, that maybe some neurotypical brains are not as much because of that higher sensitivity to, to emotions. So looping back to yeah. the other question about parenting that yes. you have, helping kids manage um, their emotions is probably one of the most important things parents can do. So learning um, skills to regulate emotions um, building them in a mindfulness practice with their child, um, helping them learn about that, helping them learn about things like um, belly breathing or um, just um, ways to to regulate by, you know, maybe um, having a break or taking space so that they can they can regulate their brains. I try to veer away from the term calm down because it has such, a connotation, um, but to regulate themselves is um, has less of that that negative connotation and more empowering in terms of a skill. This is a skill, and I, I think that that's another um, key point for parents is to is to look at ADHD from a disability perspective in the sense that there are some lagging skills. There are th- some things that these kids need to have practice with and, and have atypical um, skills around, you know, that other neurotypical children maybe don't need. So helping them strategize. I usually talk to parents about um Whenever there is a symptom of ADHD or a, a challenge, 
with an ADHD symptom there, um, figuring out a strategy, figuring out um, how to manage that and, and allying with your child um, can be helpful and also very empowering. I like that you use that term allying with your child. Like it's, it's a team approach here, you know? And I I think for some parents, because at times it could be so frustrating, it, it, there could be a tension between parent and child with this. And so really trying to step, hopefully step out of that mindset and stepping into we're your team here. I'm your biggest ally. Let's see what we can do to help you succeed and make this work. And the whole yes, thing. yes. Positive parenting, reducing the parent-child conflict is one of the most important things that parents can do. Mm-hmm. And that can also be very challenging because parents are frustrated themselves a lot of times. Right. So right. figuring out kind of how to choose your battles, what to let go of and what to focus on and just maintaining that allyship um, concept, I think is, is one of the most helpful things to do because then the child feels validated. They feel like they they've got somebody in their corner, but it's also not just excusing their symptoms. It's not just putting them under their, which a lot of parents come to me and they say, you know, well, I don't, I don't really want to label them. I don't want to say that they have ADHD because then they'll just use it as an excuse. And I say, aha, well, you know, it can be reasons for certain behaviors, Mm -hmm. but in those reasons, when you are allying with your child, then you can talk about those things and say, we need a strategy for this. Let's work together. So that's, that's another um, helpful parenting is collaborating and problem solving approach can um, be very helpful, especially in the teen years, because, you know, if the, if the child is involved, they're more invested in the process and they're less likely to rebel against their own idea. Exactly. Excellent point there. And they have great ideas. They're, they're creative brain, another superpower of ADHD. Yes. Thinking outside the box, they can come up with things that, um, that we as parents never thought of, and they're more likely to do it because it's yeah, their own idea. Their idea. Now, the parent has the veto power, of course, but they uh, that collaboration um, can prove very fruitful. For sure. And, and with that collaboration, you know, looking at, you know, tips parents can do to help their children uh, succeed at school. Yes. Um, preparing ahead, um, helping them, you know, as as basic as it is, lay out their clothing the night before, get everything mm-hmm. ready the night before, make sure they have extra supplies because um, that's one of the symptoms of, of inattentive ADHD is losing things. Mm-hmm. So having a tote full of, you know, extra pencils, extra pens. So when that happens, mm-hmm. not if it happens, but when it happens, there are supplies and they can load that backpack up the night before you know, helping kids break um, tasks or big projects, which is also often a struggle for kids with ADHD, breaking, you know, doing a book project or a a book report rather, or a Mm -hmm. science project, something that has lots of steps and is spread out over time, Um, helping them break that down into smaller manageable tasks um, and and helping them manage time. That's, gosh, that's one of the most important ones. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then working with the schools, working yeah. with the teachers, become involved, um, volunteer if you can, um, and help create a 504 or an IEP plan to help with accommodations for your child at school. I don't know if a lot of parents recognize that, that you can, you know, kids can't get accommodations for their ADHD. Yep. Can you share a few accommodations that you're aware of? That sure. Yeah. I think some of the big ones are preferential seating. You know, seating, um, having the child sit in places where there's less distractions or they can manage that, like um, at the back of the classroom where they can get up and move around yeah. when that strikes them. Right, <laughs> They right. need to do that. Um, having class notes provided to them so they don't have to worry about writing things down right. at the same time as they're trying to encode information. Um having fidgets yeah. or things at their, at their desk that can help them to focus breaks. Right. Breaks. Breaks. That's a big that's one too. A big one. Yeah. Okay. Um, a, a wiggle seat. That's anything that can help with the movement if that's the case. And then, and you know, there's, this is one that one isn't a common accom accommodation, but I think it's really helpful. And that is letting kids know that they're, that they're on the right track. ADHD brains are short, um, they have a shortage of dopamine and norepinephrine, and that's what causes some of these symptoms. So that's an important thing to know too, yeah. that there is a brain difference, yes. not only in the chemi chemistry, but in the wiring, those circuits get um, connected at a slower rate compared to neurotypical children. So um, what that means is that kids need, with ADHD need extra reinforcement they need okay. um, to be told that they're on the right track so having a teacher come and just check the work and, and let them know you're doing yeah. well you're on the right track um, verbal reinforcement can be you know huge for for kids with ADHD a short-term um, reinforcement is oftentimes more effective than a long-term reward such a key point. Again, I think that's a great tip of really aligning it to the kid's brain and, and the, the dopamine and those uh, kind of those receptors that really do crave the reinforcement to yes. line it up to give them short term reinforcements, letting them know they're on track and stuff like that. I think that's such a key thing that maybe parents don't realize how important that is or, or even teachers too. you know, yes. taking a look. Yeah, that's it. This is you're on the right track. So then they can feel better, which I think this is a good sink into looking at ways to help it, um, build self-esteem and confidence mm -hmm. in kids with ADHD as well. So let's kind of like take that route right there. Tell us a little bit about that. What can parents do to help build their child's self-esteem? Well, um, I first want to start by saying a, kind of a, a sobering statistic, and that is that um, kids with ADHD receive 20,000 more negative messages about themselves by the time they're 12 years old. Wow. You know, whether it's like, sit down, why can't you do that? Pay attention, stop moving, you know, mm -hmm. um, why don't you turn that in? Those kinds of messages. Right. More. So yeah. that um, is, is often internalized by kids as um feelings of inadequacy you know like they're not measuring up they're different they're yeah. they're not they're not doing it right they're they're doing it all wrong um so there is a a term called rejection sensitive dysphoria 
And that refers to that internalization of those negative messages, which can come out in the form of people pleasing okay. um, and, a, and an acute radar for a people's approval. Wow. So, Who that that would be part of ADHD too with this, the internalization yeah. of it. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Rejection sensitive dysphoria is not a, a, it's not a diagnosis in and of itself. It can fit with other diagnoses too, but it, it can show up often with yeah. kids with ADHD because of this thing. So, you know, making sure to say positives then to them, let them know um, what they're doing well, you know, notice when they're really helpful to somebody or compassionate, um, engage in their ideas as long winded as they are, you know, ask them about, <laughs> ask them more about that. You mm -hmm. can relate maybe. Um, I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. I can yeah. Relate. Yeah. <laughs> the story is going to, you know, or whatever their, their special interest is, you know, mm -hmm. get into that with them, ask them questions praise them for their unique way of thinking about things, the way of thinking outside of the box in a way that's not customary, that's not typical for other right. people. Right, right. And just, um, and just let them know and praise them for their growth, for yeah. partial success. That can be huge. Praising for partial success. Yeah, yeah well, I agree a hundred percent. Any other takeaways you'd like to share regarding this topic? Um, you covered so much good stuff. I, I know. And I have so much more I could say. It's hard to kind of narrow in. Um, but yeah, I think that just, I think the takeaways are um, maintaining the, the, the disability perspective, mm -hmm. um, knowing that your child's brain is different mm -hmm. um, than other kids, than other kids and therefore needs a different, different approach. Yeah. Um, and trying things for short, short periods of time. I think, mm -hmm. um, that's another takeaway trying things with your child for consistently for a week or two, but then if that thing doesn't work, reevaluating it, maybe in a, yeah. in a family meeting and saying, you know, that's, is, that it thing. is it not kind of exactly is exactly. And we don't have to stick to this, right? Uh, that can be very liberating for kids to know that I'm not stuck on this forever. The other thing is changing rewards or changing, uh -huh. um, you know, providing rewards and um, turning things into a game. Okay. The idea of gamification or incentives, um, that's way more effective than using punishment or using, you know, taking things away. Right. So adding things is, yeah. is more helpful, having them earn things, having that perspective. Great. Oh my gosh. Joelle, I want to thank you again. You gave so many great tips to help kids build their self-esteem and being successful at, at school and at home. So you are amazing. Thank oh, you very thank much. You. Love to have you Thank back. Thank you for on. having me.